Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host, Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Vegas 17, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson versus Jeff Neal. Shaq, it's going down this Saturday night. Tomorrow, the final event of the year, Wonderboy Thompson doing some elite gatekeeping in the welterweight division. Let's see if Jeff Neal is ready to swim with the elite of, uh, of 170. Yeah, yeah, you're muted, bro. Yeah, my bad. But uh, yeah, my boy's coming with the with the hot takes right off the jump. You know, uh, some elite gatekeeping. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, sometimes people they, they can't handle the hot takes. But you know, uh, yeah, I mean, this is. I mean, we know what they're trying to do here. Jeff Neal's the one that they, they that they tried to put in fights with with Leon Edwards. You know, and, and things of that nature. Apparently, a lot of dudes were turning down Jeff from from what I heard. I mean, I heard they were you know bringing. And I know for a fact some dudes were uh, turning them down just because, you know, Jeff got a little disrespectful in his callouts, like uh, with Mike Chiesa, you know, and all that. But like, you know, uh, you know, Wonderboy answered the call, you know, hey, and we know what the type of uh, fighter Wonderboy is. He's been, you know, at the top of the division for, you know, you know, over the better part of this last decade. So, you know, uh, we, we know what he brings. His style is super hard to deal with. I mean, wins over Masvidal, uh I mean, he made George look make silly. You know, uh, he's got also wins over some other really good guys. And Jeff Neal, you know, he hasn't really, uh, you know, maybe fought that name value yet. But I mean, you know, I think when we all saw him on Contender Series, man, I think we were all expecting him to get to this point. So, yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, the way that Jeff Neal's been performing has definitely been admirably. He just stands out. He just seems like he can be a guy that can be a serious contender in that division. And We've seen the performances in the UFC. I mean, we can talk about all the knockouts, but what about that decision win over Bilal Muhammad? He beats the decision machine via decision. Now it's time for that step up in competition. Wonderboy is almost 38 years old, so I can't wait to find out if uh, Jeff Neal is the guy who I think he is. So we're going to break down the whole car start to finish, but before we do that, just got to let all our listeners know that support for half the battle is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Looking for the ultimate stocking stuffers for this holiday season? Look no further, because our sponsors, Manscaped, have the tools to make you win this year's stocking stuffer or white elephant competition. Manscaped is the only brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming and hygiene products. And great news, they just released their products across Europe, Canada, and Australia. You guys already know the deal. Just like Kevin Holland, uh, you got to be ready for that short-notice opportunity, and that's where Manscaped comes in. And a few of their products that are, uh, you know, prime stocking stuffers this season are the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant. The name speaks for itself. The Crop Reviver Ball Toner, a spray-on toner that will give your balls a little slice of heaven with their aloe vera and hazel extracts. You got the Crop Cleanser Body Wash, a full body wash that you can use on your hair. You got the Crop Mop Ball Wipes. You never know when uh, opportunity strikes, so you should always be prepared. And they got a bunch of other badass items go to manscape.com and just so you know these formulations are all vegan cruelty free dye free sulfate free paraben free so you know that their products are legit get 20 percent off and free shipping at manscape.com with the code battle 20 whether this is for your partner dad brother friend get them something that they'll actually use and it's almost sure to get a laugh so get 20 percent off and free shipping at manscape.com with the code battle 20 that's all caps battle 20 at manscape.com for free shipping and 20 percent off be the ballsiest gift giver this year with manscape shack yeah and i mean and as you can see manscape sponsors kevin holland who you know happened to be ready for a short notice opportunity so i'm glad i said that last week because he uh 
his short notice opportunity, you know, I mean, he passed with flying colors. So shout out to Kevin Holland and Manscaped, keeping yeah. those balls clean. Gotta always stay ready no matter what the occasion. And I mean, like, we've seen Kevin Holland on the mat have problems. He goes in there with a jujitsu legend in uh, Jacare and smashes him not on the feet, Shaq, smashes him on the mat. Did Manscaped have anything to do with that? Coincidence? I think not, man. I mean, he's got sponsored by Manscaped. Now he's smashing Jacare on the mat. So make sure you all go to Manscaped.com. Use that code BATTLE20 for 20% off and free shipping. Hey, you feel good. Balls feel good. You fight good. Feel good, perform good in all areas of life. Now, Shaq, let's get right down to business because first up, now, according to Tapology, it says 155 pounds, but I think it's actually at a catch weight. We got Carlton Minus, who's 10 and 2. He's taking on Christos Giagos, who's 17 and 8. Currently, they got Christos Giagos minus 325. The comeback on Carlton Minus is plus 250. Let me just take this one first, man. Okay, so I understand why, you know, Giagos is favored. He's got more UFC experience and, you know, he can mix in some takedowns, which have historically given Carlton minus uh, problems in the in the past. My issue with this here is that uh, Giagos historically slows down in fights when he has full camps. His gas tank ain't the best. And he's taking this on three day notice. He, he needed the he's the one that asked for the catch weight. If Carlton Minus can just survive this first round, I think he can take over the second and third. He's the guy with the full camp here, and I'm never laying minus three nothing on on Christos Giagos in any fight. So, I'll go. I'll reluctantly go with Carlton Minus to edge out a decision here, Shaq. Yeah, man. This, uh, I mean, yeah, I probably got Giagos. I mean, the the short notice is definitely worrisome. I mean, definitely wouldn't bet him uh, just because you know, like you said, he, he does gas out, big muscular guy that uh, swings heavy, wrestles heavy. I mean, you know, he uses a lot of energy, his style. So, yeah, 100%. It did seem like he was kind of, again, who, what was his last fight, Hatsovich, or did he have one after that? Yeah, Drakkar. Uh, Drakkar, it was like a close decision, like-ish? Uh, Drakkar beat him, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a decision. Uh, like, did he win a round? Not in my eyes, but my, some some did of he, his fans might think so. I mean, what were the cards? Huh? Um, Let's see. It's a good question. So according to MMA decisions, the cards for that fight were you, he won the I'm first round sure on all three cards. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it's you know typical Christos, heavy, uh, heavy early, and then he fades late. Yeah, minus man, I I uh, I wasn't impressed at all, man. I mean, he's got a good jab. Like he's, I mean, maybe you know that he's dropping fifteen pounds. Maybe he, you know, uh, this is what he needs. But that fight against Simmelsberg, he kind of just shied away from. A lot of the exchanges, but that dude, uh, Simmelsberger hits hard, a football player. So, you know, I definitely think uh, the Rick Glenn fight and this one is definitely a lot more doable for him. But, you know, those dudes from Alaska don't have the best history, Daniel. So, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with Christos Giacos. <laughs> now, next up in the flyweight division, we got a matchup between Jimmy Flick. He's 15 and 5, and Cody Durden is 11, 2 and 1. Currently, they got. Jimmy Flick minus 150. The comeback on Cody Durden is plus 130. So we broke this fight down before, Shaq. It's time to break it down again. Just a little inside info. I heard this weight cut's actually going easier for Cody Durden than the first one. So uh, they're about to weigh in here shortly. Who you got? Well, you know, I am biased. So, I, you know, I am picking uh, Durden, you know. But, hey, look, Jimmy's quite the uh, – transitioner on that mat he's got an arsenal of subs the von flick the flickatine the you know whatever uh whatever thing you know all his little subs i mean I, i'm i'm a, i'm cool with jimmy too so you know uh 
definitely fans of both guys, but man, I feel like Durden's been leveling up, man. I mean, just to see where he's come from, you know, since that uh uh little Scoggins fight. Uh, I forget his first name, but you know, ba- baby yeah. Scoggins, uh yeah, Jared Scoggins, uh you know, the just the improvement I've seen in him since, man. It, it's been I mean, the Gutierrez fight, man. That kind of I was impressed, man. I mean, Gutierrez, I consider him like, a, you know, a top 30, you know, 35 guy at Bantamweight for, you know, somewhere in that range. And, I mean, he held his own on a week's short notice. I mean, Gutierrez was wiping dudes out previously before that, breaking calves and legs. So, you know, uh, I feel like Durden, you know, if he keeps improving now that we got that, uh, you know, minor hiccup past us and, you know, we can come into this fight, uh, uh, you know, a little bit more, uh, you know, healthier. I'm definitely going to pick him for the win, but I am biased, man. But I got respect for for uh, Flick, man. He's paid his dues on the local scene, you know, tapped out dudes we know like CJ and, you know. Uh, but, you know, all his losses are by knockout. He is chinny. You know, he has been stopped before. A lot of those are at 135. Gutierrez also, you know, you dropped him and submitted him. Uh, so, yeah, we know he's had the issues with the chin. And Cody can't get underneath this guy early because early – while this guy's fresh, I mean, we know we know he's gonna run us through the series, so you know we gotta we gotta be careful. But I feel like if he avoids that, it makes Flick fight, you know fight a stand up boxing athletic type of fight. I feel like Flick's you know like flat footed a little bit, kind of you know chinny like I was saying. But you know it's gonna be a good fight. Well, Flick and Durden already weighed in, and they both made weight as uh, expected. You know, two true professionals. So look, obviously we're biased. We sponsor Durden. He's from here. We're friends with the guy. Love the guy. But uh, listen, Jimmy Flick's got my respect, and he's had my respect for years. I mean, I had him on half the battle like three years ago when he upset uh, Johnny Bedford on the regional scene. So I've always I mean, had you my know, eye. You know he sent Johnny Bedford to bare knuckle? <laughs> listen, I've always had my eye on Jimmy Flick, man. The guy is extremely exciting. And you put in a guy uh, in there with him that's not quite ready for Jimmy Flick, and not only will he run him through the series, but he'll submit that guy in the first round, and he'll absolutely clown you. The, the thing here with Durden, though, is that Durden's a state champion wrestler. He trains jiu-jitsu under Honju Kao. He did this camp at ATT with you know Pantoja, Kyoji Horiguchi, and all these guys, and Flick's been knocked out four times. And... I had to go back and rewatch some of those KOs, and some of them were uncomfortable, bro. Like, did you see that Ray Rodriguez fight, like, where Jimmy started trying to do a thumbs up while he was unconscious? Like, bro, that was, like, that was scary to watch, man. You seen the Gutierrez fight? (laughs) I have. I have. So I just think if Cody can just keep this upright early, start chopping him down with calf kicks, eventually go upstairs to the chin, I think he can add another knockout loss to his record. So I'm going to go with Cody Dern here for the upset. Now, next up in the middleweight division, we got the middleweight and UFC debut of Tafan and Chukwi. He's 4-0, and Jamie Pickett also making his UFC debut is 11-4. Currently, they got Tafan Chukwi, minus 350. The comeback on Jamie Pickett is plus 290. So, I mean, we talk about a lot of continents and a lot of countries, like, producing good talent. And usually we talk about, you know, Russia, Brazil, the United States. You got to add the continent of Africa to to that list, my man. I mean, Africa has been producing some serious talent, and the fact that this guy Tafan is making his UFC debut at only four and zero speaks volumes to how high you know the matchmakers are on a guy like this because they could have easily told him after contender series go back to the regional scene get more experience, but they think he's got the goods right now to to compete in the big show. And not only that, Shaq. He's dropping 20 pounds to 185 pounds. I mean, this is a guy who trains with Sodiq Youssef. Uh, I think he's got the right people around him. And with Jamie Pickett, it's one of these things where he's a really good athlete. He's explosive. He hits hard. And if he can be the bully, if he can be the aggressor, he can definitely win 
for sure. I mean, we saw what he did to, um, you know, ATL's own Doug Usher, who we were talking about Doug Usher when we were talking about that OSP fight. That was OSP's training partner for the Jamal fight and the McCall fight. So, I mean, listen, Jamie's got some power. It's just, I don't think Tafan's going to just, you know, fall over and let Jamie do his thing, man. I think Tafan's going to walk him down, mix in the calf kick, go upstairs, whatever it takes. And I think he's going to put Pickett away. And that Soriano fight, Puna Haley Soriano versus Jamie Pickett, Pickett didn't win. I mean, excuse me, Soriano didn't win because he was the better guy. He won because he was the tougher guy. And I think that Tafan is not only the better guy, but he's the tougher guy too. So I'm going to go with Tafan Chukwi to get this done. Yeah, you know... Man, it's funny because I actually seen Pickett, man, fight like a long time ago uh, in Wild Bills, man. <laughs> like, uh, oh, yeah. I forget. Yeah, I think he's from like, what, North Carolina, if I'm not mistaken, or somewhere. Um, fucking. Yeah, North Carolina. Yeah, fucking. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, he's come a long way. I'm not going to lie. His last fight, he looked good. Uh, definitely a good athlete. Long arms. I mean, he's definitely gotten better, I'd say, around the last year because he lost to Charles Bird and he lost to Puna. Yeah. So, Tafan, man, he's a little interesting to me. Well, you know, I, 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 he's going to be my pick to win the fight. I think he has the higher ceiling, obviously, undefeated. I, from a betting perspective, I just think it's a little wide, man. I think, you know, the dude he last fought was a complete can. He's only got four fights. Uh, he did knock out William Knight, which is very impressive. But then when I watched the fight, and I hate to discredit wins. I mean, don't get me wrong. Tafan knocked him the fuck out. But, you know, William Knight, you know, he's a little short. And, you know, that's why they sent William Knight back on to the local scene. Because, you know, he had these big technical issues, like, in this contender series fight where he would, like, turn his neck and, like, you know, just do things that he shouldn't do. And now he's progressively, you know, cleaned, a, a, you know, a little bit of it up. And now he's fighting uh, Alonzo Minifield. So, you know, I, I do want to give him some credit. You know, he definitely knocked him out. But I still think Stefan's green. And I see signs that he could get, like, stunned early, man. He got stunned early by that la the last guy who completely sucks. And, you know, Pickett, you know, I, I definitely think Tafan can win the long-term battle. It seems like he's got more of, like, a methodical cool more volume style but i think in the early in the early portions of this fight it's going to be very very scary this kid's dropping 20 pounds for the very first time he's only four and oh i've seen it numerous amount of times where there's so much stock put in these kids with like four fights like you know four or five fights uh for example stipe's teammate or yeah, but uh, hold on. you know stipe's <laughs> teammate ain't from cameroon yeah, but you know, but you know, he had a, a spectacular flying knee, and he lost to William Knight. Shit. Like, yeah, you know, but yeah, you know, but that's what I'm saying. Like, William Knight was a was a dude that paid his dues, had had losses. You know what I'm saying? Like, it all comes full circle eventually. Like, everyone's gotta, you know, get their due. And MMA math, you know, don't really mean shit. But you know, I wouldn't be shocked if Pickett caught this kid early. Is what I'm saying. But I, I'm a pick to find. I think he's higher ceiling. Uh, long-term battle, but Pickett is getting better in my opinion. Now, next up, we got an 195-pound catchweight between Duran Wynn, who's six and two, and Antonio Ahoyo is nine and three. Currently, they got Antonio Ahoyo minus one sixty. The comeback on Duran Wynn is plus one forty. So uh, the five-foot-four uh, middleweight is back, but this time at an 195-pound catchweight. Can we trust Ahoyo to kick his head off and not do anything stupid here? Man, so this is another one, man. So I was coming into this thinking, yeah, Royal was going to, I mean, look, you know, he, he might. 
But the thing I don't like about Arroyo is that Moniz fight. And I know I'm I high on Moniz. I, you know, Moniz is a, is a beast, 100%. But what I can't wrap my head around is how do you stand on top of a man and not try anything, not pass his guard? You, he literally stood there for, like, I'm talking minutes at a time, Daniel. Like, it wasn't like, you know, like he tried to punch his gut, kick his legs, like, you know, pass his guard. But like he just literally stood there and he's got all these physical attributes. You know, the 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 Regman fight uh on contender series, he definitely did his thing, but I feel like he there was more to be, you know, desired a little bit. I feel like Arroyo's a little bit of an underperformer, man. I feel like he or or like we say about Lyman Good, he's not as scary as he looks, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um he looks like a fucking tank, you know, but I I don't think he has that meanness in him, man. But, you know, uh, Duran Wynn, look, let me tell you about Duran Wynn. So initially when he was coming to the UFC, I thought it was a complete joke. He got matched up with this dude, Bruno Blundell, who knocked out uh, Shlomenko in, in Russia. This Brazilian, he's actually on USADA suspension. He'll make his debut here. Uh, you know, shortly, but you know, he was matched up with this dude, and I was like, You mean to tell me this this five five guy's about to fight Bruno Blindau? So oh my god, like this dude's in trouble. But then Bruno pops and they bring in Eric Spicely. Uh, you know, Eric Spicely, the one of the bigger cans to, to hit the UFC over the last few years. And you know, I'm sitting there live, and you know, Daniel's my witness right next to me, and and I'm having a damn near heart attack over an Eric Spicely fight, Dan. I'm I mean, it was fight of the night for Christ's sake. Eric Spicely, like, fucking, like, I was sitting there like, Duran, wait, relax, chill. Like, like, and obviously he did his thing, you know, Eric Spicely ain't the toughest guy in the world, but I could see it from then that he, this height thing was going to be a big problem because his head's in the way of these knees. I mean, he, I mean, it's just his head's so there. Like, it, it's like not even funny. Like, even Gerald, slow ass Gerald was out here landing knees up the middle and then touching this dude and rocking him. And then he ended up quitting. I feel like Deron Wynn is a little bit of a front runner, man. I mean, I feel like, you know, I think he came into the sport truly believing that he was going to be the next DC. And, and when that didn't work out, you know, he, you know, his before his last fight, he was like, you know, you only have one loss by split decision, you know, but to Darren Stewart, who's a good fighter. And then that trickles into you saying, Oh, if I can't beat Gerald Mershart, then, you know, maybe this ain't it for me. Like, bro, you already see where the kid's head's at. Now he's taking catchweight fights at, at 195 pounds. Like, I wanted Duran to come in and, and improve that, you know, he can make 185 or at least, like, even – I thought this kid was supposed to, you know, go on a break and, and change his life and try to make 170. But as we can see, that ain't, uh, <laughs> that ain't happening, you know. So, man, I, I – Arroyo, I got to pick him just due to the physical advantages and the fact that the, the plum is going to be wide open here, you know, to, to grab Duran's head and knee his body. And he doesn't like the body shots. I mean, you saw that his last fight against Gerald. He, I mean, he was looking like uh, his big bro DC in that Stipe fight. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, when Stipe started hitting DC's body and all that Popeye started uh, coming back up, you know, he was like, oh man, this ain't, uh, this ain't going good. But yeah, I'm going to go with Arroyo, man. But to be honest, it, it, it could be a trap. I don't want to say a trap because Deron Wynn, probably this 5-5 guy probably ain't going to win. But I just don't like some things about Arroyo, man. Like, I want to see more of a sense of urgency. I feel like he leaves a lot of things to be desired in that cage. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I definitely hope Ahoyo has a better performance here than he did against Muniz. I think the issue with the Muniz fight was him and Muniz gassed after, like, the first grappling exchange. Uh, 
it's going to be a little bit different here because he's not fighting, you know, a six foot three black belt. He's fighting a five foot four guy. And it's like, you know, yeah, I, I can root for like a shorter guy or whatever. But like, dude, there's weight classes for a reason. And it's not he can't even make 170 Shaq. So he has to fight at 185. This is a 195 pound catch weight. He's just, he's just too small for this weight class, man. And I think that these kicks are going to be very impactful to the body, to the head, to the legs. It's just don't get laid on. But like, even if he does get taken out in that first round, I feel like Deron Wynn's going to expend a lot of energy and gas himself out. And then, you know, then if Ahoyo has anything left, then he can kick his head off. So I, I got to go with Ahoyo here to get this one done. Um, for the same reasons a lot of other people are picking him. You know, I'd like to be contrarian, but not not in this spot, man. Um, there's weight classes for I a mean, reason. After after this fight, we'd love to have Duran win in the NFC. We can, <laughs> you know, you can fight some of these guys. Yeah, the thing is, you'd have to go like fight Bolo at 205 or heavyweight. You know what I mean? Hey, you know, we'll we'll get it done. <laughs> You know who I got in that one, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I got I got to go with uh, Antonio Ahoyo here to get it done. Let's see what happens. And next up in the bantamweight division, we got a matchup between Panny Kianza. She's thirteen and five, and Sajara Eubanks is six and five. Currently, they got Sajara Eubanks minus one sixty. The comeback on Panny Kianza is plus one forty. So, I feel like Sajara's you know a pretty good litmus test if you're you know to see if you're ready for the top 10 of that division or not uh panty did look kind of impressive her last fight you think she's ready to get this Damn, upset or you, you gotta go with sarge are you saying are you saying are you saying sajara eubanks is a gatekeeper i mean she's she she definitely ain't a contender i'll tell you <laughs> that right now <laughs> <laughs> no nah, but yeah man it's a good fight because i actually think uh both girls are are uh better than their their records uh you know, say so. So, Jara, I give her credit, man, because she'll fight anybody, man. You know, uh, she's very active. I mean, she takes a lot of fights. Um, she's very tough. You know, the thing with Sarge, man, I, what I haven't liked, is, I, you know, obviously has been the cardio in the past. But, hey, she has won the third round and and both her last two fights. So, you know, maybe uh, maybe she's getting better at, at that a bit. But we can't forget about that Betch Kohea stun. And, and this fight, this matchup's interesting because, you know, uh, Sajara beat Julia, who beat Kianzad, and Kianzad beat Betch, who beat uh, Sajara. So, you know, I, I want to solve this equation, man. But, man, Sajara's tough, man. You know, do I think she's that good? No, but I, I think she's tough. I think, you know, if somebody can't grapple like Julia Avilia turned out, I feel like, honestly, Julia Avilia thought she was fighting Gina Mazzani when she fought uh Sajara Eubanks, you know, she had that 20 quick, you know, little 20 second knockout or whatever it was. And she literally thought she could do the same thing to Eubanks. And then when she got taken down, I mean, the fight was pretty much damn near over. So I feel like Julia Avilia, the line was super wide in that in that spot. And uh, Kianza took her fight with Avila on super short notice. And I actually bet on uh, Avila in that fight. But man, Kianza has actually impressed me, man, her last two fights. I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I can't necessarily say what it is, but I just feel like she's an underrated boxer. You know, all the other parts in her game seem to to be, you know, about decent, you know, decent takedown defense, uh, you know, decent jujitsu, nothing special. But the hands, I, I think she's got really good hands, man. I mean, Rose Clark, you know, yeah, she's not that good, but I mean, she she fucked her up, and, and uh, Betch Kohea, same thing as well. I mean, there was no no uh, question who won those fights. I mean. I mean, Besco Hea got touched up a lot, man. So 
I think it's a 50-50 fight. Sajara, you know, edging the grappling site, edging the clinch. But I feel like Kianza has faster hands, better hands. And I feel like if she can keep distance, she can win this fight. Uh, and I feel like it's just a 50-50 fight. So I'm going to go with the dog. I've just been more impressed with Kianza as of late. But I wouldn't be shocked if Sajara won. I mean, she's been in here fighting in the trenches with Aspen Ladd and Ketlin and, and, and you know, uh, all these other girls. But even in her wins, man, I just – I feel like she, you know – Julia Avila one was a, a step in the right direction, but that Sarah Morass one, it wasn't by a wide enough margin for my liking, but you know, so, but we'll see, but I'll go with uh Kianza. Yeah. I, I'm gonna go on the opposite way here, man. I feel like uh, if Sajara just can keep that cardio together, don't gas after the first round, she's going to be able to mix in takedowns and get this to the mat, show off that, that black belt that she's got, you know, she got it from, uh, you know, a legit professor in jujitsu. So I, I think that she does have a legit black belt. And it's just uh, all about the stylistic matchup with a girl like Sajara Eubanks. You know, she's not going to beat these top 10 girls, but I think she can beat people outside the top 10. Panny Kianzad's outside the top 10. But I agree with you. Panny has low-key been showing off that boxing these last few fights. So if Sarge starts to slow down, Panny definitely has a path to victory. But I'll go with Sarge to, you know, mix in takedowns and kind of grind this one out. Now, next up in the welterweight division, we got a matchup between Anthony Showtime Pettis. He's 23 and 10, and Alex Morano is 18 and 6. Currently, they got Anthony Pettis minus 230. The comeback on Alex Morano is plus 190. So I, I know the path to victory here for Morano. You know, if Pettis starts to slow down, then Morano might be able to do the, the, the Morano blitz, kind of back him up and start to tee off on him in the second and third round. But I just feel like you got to be on a certain level to beat a guy like Anthony Pettis. Like, he, despite Anthony Pettis being very inconsistent, one thing he's consistent about is the level of competition he's been fighting. Man, like in in all nineteen of his UFC fights, they've either been against top ten guys or against legends. And this is the first non top fifteen, non legend guy he fights. Uh, I kind of think this is a step down. I mean, we're talking about a guy in Pettis that submitted Dubronx, knocked out Wonderboy, and this is all after he, you know, touched gold and defended it and all that stuff. I like Murano. Comes out of a good gym. They've beaten Pettis before with Carlos Diego, but I do not view this as Carlos Diego. I got to go with Pettis here. Even if Murano lands more volume, I still think Pettis can have the bigger moments and land the harder shots. So if it goes to decision, I still see Pettis winning, but I think he can get a finish too. So... This is a fight Pettis can win. And I actually like the stuff I've been hearing from him um, that, you know, he's, he finally bit the bullet. He's been seeing a sports psychologist. Uh, he's sober. He moved to Vegas. Sounds like he's in the right place. Everything's positive coming out of, uh, you know, the words he's been speaking are all positive. I like to hear that stuff. I'm going to go with Pettis here. Yeah, man, it's funny you bring up the uh, the the shrink thing because you know I forgot to mention that about uh, Kianza. She said she she got a uh, the the mental coach as well. You know, some people think it's think it's soft, but you know, uh, turns out it, <laughs> turns out it works a lot for these guys, man. So you know, maybe they should uh, go see those shrinks more often, man. But uh, I think uh, my bad. One sec. Um, what fight were we talking about again? Oh, Pettison and Murano. Uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, this fight kind of took me by surprise. I was like, I was like, damn, really? <laughs> Fucking. But then I, I see why because I heard he had the option to fight Michelle or Murano, and I was like, man, you know, hey, if, if I have a the choice to pick between Michelle and Murano, I'd, I'd probably take <laughs> Murano too. Shit. <laughs> if it's for the same money, hell yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? And this is the last fight on this contract. And I'm going to go ahead and say unofficially, 
man, I think this is the last time we see my boy Showtime in that UFC cage. I just think Bellator makes too much sense for him, man. Like, his brother's over there, easier competition, probably more money. Like, you know, why Why would he want to, you know, at, I mean, he done. I, I looked at his record, bro. Pettis, God, bro, they don't give this fucking kid a break bro like fucking it's like fucking top guy after top guy after top guy <laughs> like fucking uh 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 i mean Murano's the easiest fight pettis has as you know matchup wise has had in like fucking ever since like man since yeah, like in terms of, yeah like this is like you know i think what they did here showtime you no know, this was his last fight in the ufc He's gonna, he wants this last one to be one of these spectacular, you know, finishes of his, whether it be a triangle arm bar, uh, him jumping off the cage and doing something. And, you know, I don't think he's gonna get that done against Michelle Pereira, but, you know, <laughs> against uh, Alex Morano. And I, and, I, and I fuck with my boy, the great white. You know, you know, I love Alex. Alex comes to swing. That's why he got this fight. Alex comes to swing, he comes to bang, you know, Alex ain't coming to lay on people, so they needed a willing dance partner, and I feel like this is going to be that springboard for Pettis, you know, into free agency to to get that, you know, money that he wants, uh, you know, get that get that big deal, so I feel like that's what this is, and I, yeah, man, I don't see him losing to Murano, like, I, I got respect for Murano, but I just don't think he's good enough, man. I mean, his fight with Reese McKee. Reese McKee is a big kid, but, I mean, he did get hurt to the body. He got wobbled in that fight, too. He gets wobbled in a lot of his fights. Uh, yeah, Pettis sometimes doesn't, you know, have the heart sometimes. And, yeah, sometimes he does wilt. But, I mean, just look at who that's against. You know, Diaz, Poirier, you know, Ferguson. Uh, his last fight, man, I actually thought he looked really good, man. Like, live, live. I was like, man, Pettis – Pettis looks sharp tonight, you know what I'm saying? Like, he, uh, if he has a slight step down in competition, uh, I feel like he can definitely have some success. I didn't expect him to beat Carlos Diego. I was on Carlos in that fight. So, you know, um, you know, if people are considering, you know, if that was his step down in competition. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I feel Pettis can style on Morono whether it goes to the distance. But, you know, Morono's going to fight hard. He's going to – I mean, this is the chance he's been – uh waiting for i mean you know i'm sure nobody knows who alex is a lot of people you know and this is his opportunity to get his name out there man so uh but yeah man i feel like pettis is just a better fighter so now next up in the heavyweight division we got a matchup between marcin tybora he's 20 and 6 and greg hardy is 7 and 2 but between you and me he's 8 and 1 because he knocked out alan crowder Currently, they got Greg Hardy minus 125. The comeback on Marcin Tybura is plus 105. So I got to give Marcin Tybura a lot of credit. Um, he's on a three-fight win streak, and we were thinking that he might be done around that Sakai fight, but, you know, he slimmed down a little bit. But I do have to say, man, these last three fights he's had have been kind of favorable matchups, and no disrespect, you know, Sergey Spivak, you know, young guy, but I kind of feel like Hardy's a better prospect than that. Maxim Grishin fights at 205, and then Ben Rothwell. So let's talk about that Ben Rothwell fight. So you know how they call Stipe the baddest man on the planet? They call Jorge the baddest motherfucker on the planet. They call DC the daddest man on the planet. You know what they call Ben Rothwell? They call him the slowest man on the planet. So just because Tybora went in there against the slowest man on the planet and won, to me, doesn't mean that he's back. I got to go with my favorite American heavyweight prospect. You know, my favorite UK heavyweight prospect is Tom Aspinall. My favorite Moldovan is uh, Romanov, but... My favorite heavyweight uh, American 
is Greg Hardy. And I think he's been making improvements every fight. He still had less than 10 pro fight, Shaq. The guy's a freak athlete. We're going to be seeing these improvements. If he can avoid getting grinded out here, I think he can land the hardest shots. I think he can put away Tybora. So I'm going to go with Greg Hardy to get the biggest win of his career. Yeah, man. You know, Tybura definitely thought he was done after the Sakai fight. Then he dropped about 10, 11 pounds. Definitely, you know, you know, got his diet in order. Uh, and yeah, I feel like the, the win streak is like, I mean, Daniel, does Ben Rothwell have his steroids anymore? I mean, speaking of steroids, uh, you know, Marcin's been seeing that Polish doctor, right? Oh, my, I'm, hold on. I'm going to get to Marcin here in a little bit because I'm going to tell you what's been going on with Marcin. But fucking. Does Ben Rothwell have his steroids anymore? How many times did Ben Rothwell test positive, Daniel, for the same thing? <laughs> More than once. I mean, th th and that's just the facts. Ben Rothwell cannot fight without his steroids. And, and, you know, I feel like he needs to hit a Bellator too, you know. Get back, go to 1FC, get on, you know, get on your uh, him, JDS, all them dudes, man. You know, they need to... Uh, they need to to get back on their stuff, man. But I feel like, uh, yeah, Greg Hardy, you know, he's up there in, my, in that American prospect up there with Dawkins and, you know, some other guys that are doing their thing right now. And, yeah, man, I feel like Tybora, what it is, man, he actually, he saw, you know, he's from Poland. He saw what uh, Jan, the champ, Jan Blakowicz, uh, you know, how his career has been changing. And he, and he switched gyms. He switched to, to Blackovich's gym. I forget what it's called, Ankos or some shit. But, yeah, he's with Blackovich's. He's been with Blackovich's people for these last three fights. Um, and, you know, he thinks uh, – because, you know, he said he, he's known Blackovich for such a long time. And, I mean, you know, he's probably seen some of the stunts Blackovich has pulled uh, <laughs> firsthand, you know what I'm saying? And, and you know, he became champion, so he, he wants to – He's trying to do that himself, but I don't think it's going to happen, man. I feel like Greg Hardy doesn't get enough credit. Greg Hardy, honestly, when you think about it, should be undefeated if this kid, you know, just didn't, like, you know, do a couple of uh, big no-nos, you know, with the Alan Crowder fight and the inhaler gate. But, you know, uh, well, he would have lost like, the Volkov anyways, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Shit. My bad. I forgot about that one. But yeah, I mean. I didn't really, no one really expected him to win that one, right? That was short notice. Like, uh, you know, I don't want to say it doesn't count, but. He went the distance with a top 10 guy. Yeah. I mean, Walt Harrison Redoom can fucking go the distance. So, you know, um, that's just facts. But, yeah, man, Greg showed his toughness in that fight. And, and there's different versions of Greg. There's Greg that can be a bully and come forward and really maul dudes like how you saw his last fight and against, you know, Juan Adams. And I know Juan Adams and Maurice Green are bums and, and your Gandhi catch was a bum too. And I, and I understand, but he's out here. He can point too, man. He's got, he's got the talent, man. All the talent, physical speed, power attributes are there. 100%. All it comes down to it. Greg is himself, man. You know, as long as Greg doesn't do anything stupid, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He should, and I feel like his grappling's underrated too. At least f since the Alan Crowder fight, like dudes have tried to get in on singles on him, and I mean he's striking him off easily. So you know, I, I feel like Greg Hardy is a, after this fight. Now he's really gonna have to be respected because I mean Marcin Tabura. I mean he's a good fighter. He's what like is he ranked or at least like fifteen? You know, somewhere yeah, in there. Yeah. yeah, like he's gotta be right. Um, so, yeah, man, I feel like this is going to be the win that really stamps Greg Hardy's name in this heavyweight division. Maybe get some that fight with, you know, Warlovsky or, you know, if they uh, if they want to give you know, give him JDS. I don't know, <laughs> you know, something like that. But, you know, but yeah, man, I, I got Greg Hardy, man. I just think he's got too much talent. And yeah, look, 
yeah, we have Tiberia's ground game is definitely the best he ever has. But you gotta understand, Spivak only had two fights in the UFC. And man, I feel I, this kid Spivak, man, I feel like he's got a, a bright future ahead of him because just the, I mean, like you got fed to the wolves, like Harris, fucking uh, Tuivasa in Australia, fucking Tabura, like all these dudes right off the bat at like 24 years old. But he was a kid, man, when he fought Tabura. He's not mature enough to fight Tabura yet. Mac, like you said, Maxine Grisham's a 205er, and, and Ben Rothwell, you know, doesn't have that uh, those fertility drugs anymore. So yeah. Next up in the flyweight division, we got a matchup between Jillian Robertson. She's nine and four, and Tylia Santos is sixteen and one. Currently, they got Ty, they got Jillian minus one fifteen, and Tyla's minus one hundred five. This is a tough fight to call because it's like Tyla Santos. Firstly, she's got an extremely padded record. I mean, when you look at that record, like most of the girls, hey, hey, don't, don't 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 disrespect my girl like that. I mean, most of the girls she beat on that record are like, oh, or like oh and one, dude. Like it, it's one of them. It's no, one no, of them. No. Bro, it's you know that Brazilian MMA girl scene, man. Or it's like a Thomas Almeida record too. Yeah. Um, but listen, so from the fights we've seen, one thing I want to say to give her credit, she did beat Marina Rodriguez in a pure Muay Thai fight back in the day in Brazil. So that's pretty cool. But anyways, Bro, you know that you know that uh, Muay Thai scene was crazy. It was like Marina, uh, Tyler uh jennifer maya uh fucking what's the what's uh Anraj's teammate again fucking um yeah yeah i know who you're talking about the girl that yeah. knocked out dobson cachoeira no 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 not her um she's fighting nico uh carol rosa carol rosa oh hosa but yeah like, yeah all, she's bad. yeah all these but all these chicks were like on these in these Muay Thai scenes, bro. I mean, like duking it out on YouTube, bro. It's like fucking. Yeah, they went after it, man. Cool. But uh, so with Tyla, she did good on her contender series fight and then completely lays an egg against a softball and Barella. Like you're supposed to go out there against Barella. I don't care if it's your UFC debut. I don't care if the weight of the world's on your shoulders. You're supposed to run through Barella. And it, that fight wasn't even about what Barella did right. That fight was about what Tyler Santos did wrong. And then her very next fight, she actually shows up and she dominates Molly McCann. But to me, you know, stuffing takedowns against a blue belt from England is not the same as stuffing, you know, takedowns against an American, not, oh, she's Canadian, but against a black belt in jujitsu uh, under Dean Thomas. It's, it's just a different level of competition. But that being said, I do feel like Tyler's got more paths to victory. But it's just tough to be confident in her, man, based off these two fights. that The Barilla fight, there's no excuse for. And the Molly fight, you know, finally she showed up. But Jillian's got a better ground game than Molly. I'm going to roll with Tyler because I think she's got more pass. But Jillian's, Robert, Jillian's ground game has to be respected, man. I mean, when it's all said and done, she's going to have the most submissions in that weight class's history. So I would not be surprised if she got another one here. But just because I think the difference on the feet is so large, I'll, I'll go with Tyler. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, it's one of those things where it could either go horribly, it could go, you know, perfectly right or horribly wrong. You know, uh, it's like, I I think Jillian Robertson's a tough opponent just because not so many people are going to be prepared for that, uh, for that onslaught of passing and submissions and all that shit that she, that she has 100%. But 
at the same time, I mean, Courtney Casey can't stuff. I mean, she she been not been able to stuff a takedown in hindsight. You know what I'm saying? Um, and uh, her last fight against Botello, I mean, we've seen Botello get wiped out on the mat. You know, against Calvillo, or I was in Atlanta when Botello fought. I mean, I could hear I could hear her huffing and puffing from where from where I was sitting at, man. So, and that's just the honest truth. I mean, Lauren Mueller was shoving this girl to the mat. So you know. Uh, I, Jillian is definitely trending upwards and is a tough opponent 100%, but I just have a feeling that if Tyler Santos shows up to the best of her abilities mentally, you know, tuned in, that there's a chance not only that she beats Jillian, but makes Jillian quit. I mean, I know she hasn't quit in a while, but I can't, I can't forget that Macy Barber fight. Like, I, I still think she quit in that fight. I know Eddie Alvarez said it on uh, the Ultimate Fighter back in the day, and you know, she's gotten past some of it 100%. Um, and look, yeah, Jillian, Jillian's probably saying, I already, I already whooped Molly's ass. I mean, fucking, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, that's what, you know, they're probably thinking, and that's true 100%. Um, it's just, I feel like Santos's size, and I feel like her Muay Thai technique is a lot more sharper than Batello's. Like, Batello gets those kicks caught a lot. You know, she, uh, doesn't you know pull him back in time as where like Santos is you know very sharp with the teeps. It, it's definitely a tough call because because Jillian's tough if if, uh, if she gets on top. But I feel like these shots that she's gonna take are gonna kind of be remind like like similar to when she fought Myra Blano Silva. You know like when she gets hit by Santos, it's gonna be like oh my god. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it's gonna be a, a different feeling, man. Um, but shit. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like, uh, I'm gonna go with, uh, Tyler Santos, man. I just think she's more physical and, and I feel like she, uh, has more talent than Jillian Robertson, man. And I feel like she'll land the more, you know, impactful shots. And next up in the Bantamweight division, we got a matchup between Magic Marlon Marais, he's 23 and seven and Rob Font, or as they like to say in Brazil, Shaq, Hobby Fonch is 17 and four. Currently they got... Marlon Marais, minus 150. The comeback on Rob Font is plus 130. So, man, this is a tough one to call because, like, Magic Marlon. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, man, this is the fight. This would be my fight to watch because I ain't never been more down on Magic Marlon Marais more than I am now. I mean, turns out Henry Cejudo was right. Marlon's got no heart, Dan. I mean, the fact of the matter is the dude gives up. When the when I mean look, I'm not gonna lie, San Hagen did look spectacular in that fight. And 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 this is an interesting fight because I'm down on Marlon Marais and, and I have a feeling that once again, if this fight goes out the first round, that maybe Robbie Font will start to take over. But then when I sit really sit down and get to the Rafa, and Dan, you know this about uh, well, I don't know, but you know I've always kind of thought Rob Font is a little overrated, and and that and that was dating back to you know back when he was fighting John Lineker and shit, and like where he was flopping to his back after some body shots, and all these dudes were hyping him up to be this big thing, and I was like, okay, but then you know he got a redemption, fought Pedro Munoz. They say he's the best boxer in the division apparently, and, and he's out here getting dropped and wobbled by you know one of the slappier you know strikers in that division in Pedro Munoz. No offense. I mean, when I say sloppy, don't I'm not disrespecting. You know what I'm saying? Like he, Pedro's not for a Pedro top fifteen a guy. Pedro he gets hit a lot. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> a fucking and and then uh you know then he gets matched up against Rafael Asuncao, old thirty five six year old Brazilian. Everyone and their mom bets Rob Font because they say he's gonna touch him up and 
turns out Rob Font's the one getting touched up, man. So I always feel like Rob Font's been somewhat of an underperformer. It definitely has the size, talent, trains with Calvin, all that good stuff. And I, and I fuck with my boy Chardier. And it's neither now or never for Rob Font because he's had he's choked in every single one of his big fights. I mean, miserably choked in every single one of his big fights. Um, and he's coming off of ACL surgery. And, and, and then, you know, when we talk about his Ricky Simon fight, um, Ricky Simon can't even spell box, you know, yet, yet alone do it. I mean, the dude's actually got knocked out by Uriah Faber. And and he and Rob Font got rocked by that guy uh, towards the end of the first round. And he definitely, but Ricky, he was able to get the points back from the takedowns because Ricky's a punching bag. And, I mean, people were saying Ray Borg had good hands when he fought Ricky Simon, Dan. I mean, that, and that's just the honest truth. <laughs> that really happened. <laughs> like, and that's just the honest truth, bro. So, like, I would love to come in here and be like, oh, this is prime spot for Rob Font. And it might be, but I just don't have enough facts to support that yet. Um, so I'm a, am gonna pick Magic Marlon Marais, but I would not. Marlon Marais is untouchable betting wise for me, man. I mean, I know Sanhagen's a lot more dynamic, more weapons than Rob Font, but Henry, I think Cejudo was right, man. Uh, it's just something like even in that Dotson fight back, that's why I bet Cejudo against him was like there is a drop off and. And we're going to get to another guy fighting here soon, Aldo. And that Aldo fight, I mean, Marlon was making faces and, and just not looking right, man. It was just a face of worrisome, and, and I don't like it, man. But I think he still deserves to be the favorite. And I don't feel like Rob Fawn has done enough yet for me to pick him. But I, I definitely understand someone taking the shot. I mean, you're hoping that, come on, Robbie, let's, let's, let's make him quit for them late rounds, you know? Yeah, it's a tough one to call for sure. Um, I just feel like Henry Cejudo might have taken Marlon Marais's soul, man. He hasn't looked the same since. You know, the Aldo fight, you know, it's Aldo's debut at 135. You're supposed to head kick him in the first round, and then it's like everyone thought you lost that fight. I didn't, but everyone else thought you lost that fight. And then the Corey fight is not a big deal that he lost to Corey. The big deal is that, like, okay, I thought that Corey was at least going to have to go through some shit in that first round. Like, and then like Corey just ran through him like it was nothing. And then you're making a quick turnaround against a guy who, even though you're right, he has choked in all those big fights against Brazilians. Granted, he did beat Tomas Almeida and Dion Drash. So it's not like he always loses to Brazilian. Um, Thomas Almeida has got one of the most padded records in the history of the company. And same with D Silva. I mean, straight up. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying it, it's not in a hundred percent hit rate when he when he fights Brazilians that he's gonna lose. He's beaten a few before. Because I was gonna say, well, he lost to Lineker, Pedro, and um, what's the, what's the other one? And Asuncao. So it's like, yeah, he always loses to Brazilians, but that's not true. He always loses to elite Brazilians usually. But that being said, I just got a question where Marlon's at mentally. And the last two performances by Font, he put on a career high uh, output numbers. You know, those last two fights. If he can build off that momentum and if he's not hindered by the torn ACL, I'll go with Rob Font to get an upset, but it's not the most confident pick because he does choke in big fights, but I'll go with Rob Font. Featured bout in the welterweight division, we got Michelle Pereira, who's 24 and 11, taking on Chaos Williams, who's 11 and 1. Currently, they got Michelle Pereira minus 125. The comeback on Chaos Williams is plus 105. So I kind of just went back and watched Chaos's regional fights uh, instead of uh, his UFC fights because UFC fights didn't, I mean, they told me a lot that he hits hard, but like I want to know what happens past the 32nd mark. And this guy has got good wrestling too. He can get on top of these guys, grind out decisions, and Pereira might have more strikes in his arsenal. He's a big boy, 
But man, the guy's a loose cannon. The guy's a head case. The guy's a wild card. He's hard to trust. Like he should not be going to the third round with guys like Diego Sanchez and Tristan Conley. He should be blowing through these guys in the first round. Like I, so I feel like he might do some good stuff here against Chaos, but then, you know, after he does a couple of good strikes, then he's going to do a backflip, then he's going to do a fucking stupid dance. I got to go with Chaos here. It might not be a 30-second knockout this time, but when when uh, Pereira does a backflip, that's when Chaos can get on top, grind this one out. I'll go with Chaos via unanimous decision here. Yeah, man, I disagree with that take because I feel like, you know, guys, Diego Sanchez goes to the third round a lot. I mean, he went the third round his last fight. He went the third round with Kiesa. He went the third round with the, with a lot of guys, man. I mean, and turns out the ultimate fighter wasn't there to fight that night. I mean, he was running away from Michelle Pereira the entire time. I mean, it's not Michelle thought signed up to fight the ultimate fighter, you know? So, you know, uh, you know, things didn't go his way. He got screwed out of that one, but we know what the case was. I mean, Diego's a delusional man and he ran away the entire time and, the ultimate fighter didn't want to fight. So, you know, yeah, I feel like uh, Chaos hasn't been getting enough credit because, I mean, his last fight, man, I had a feeling that was going to happen. Um, but at the same time, like, I did – I have him on the record to say that Zalima Madai of uh, Mattel Pereira's last opponent is a complete can. I mean, he is a complete can. <laughs> um, I mean, that's just the uh, – the truth about it. So I, I can't put, you know, so much stock into that win, but he definitely looked the best he ever had. And I know him and Johnny Walker started that team in uh, Vegas. And I mean, Michelle's been taking, I've been seeing Michelle in that pool. He's been swimming his laps. I mean, Michelle's taking that cardio training to uh, a different level. I hear he's lighter, man. I hear he's taken seriously. Dude's definitely, uh, you know, has some antics and some shenanigans <laughs> of that much, but, and is definitely playing with fire with chaos. Um, But, you know, chaos Williams, man, I do have a suspicion that his game, you know, uh, outside this, you know, 30 seconds might not be as good, uh, you know, as we think it is. But at the same time, that power, man, it's undeniable. Um, but at the same time, like I said with Pereira, Razak Alassane's not the same guy that, you know, he left, you know, that came back. I mean, it's two years off. He missed weight both times. Uh, I mean, he's probably on his way out of here soon as well and then um alex morano definitely i mean that's a statement knocking on morano like that is definitely impressive but i see it a 50 50 fight i'll go the other way i'll take per Pereira. you know i remember uh john jones said something back in the day uh you know when when some you know because michelle Pereira does you know all this weird you know quote unquote weird stuff flashy stuff you know uh and you know i could be completely wrong but you remember when he was fighting ryan bader uh, you know, he's like, uh, he was like, when someone keeps, you know, bringing up my flashy stuff over and over again, that means that's what they're most afraid of. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I'm going to go with Pereira. I, I've heard chaos refer to his flashy stuff multiple times. So, you know, we'll see. But, man, I love that team with chaos and Jamal Hill and, and uh, Buckley and, and all of them in Detroit, man. All those dudes from Detroit can fight. So it, it could go either way. Yeah, funny thing about Michelle's last fight against Zalim Imadayev. He did look amazing in that fight, but if Zalim's name was Zalim Johnson instead of Imadayev, no one would give a shit. But uh, it is what it is. Uh, you know, he's got I a mean, lot of people, rope. He's it, was a, it, was a, it was a pick him. I was saying that before the fight. Fucking, you know, <laughs> but, you know, they were saying he, you know, Michelle. Bro, Diego Sanchez, you know, I think he's a complete joke, but, you know, fucking, he is tough, you know. He won the first Ultimate Fighter.
Co-main event of the evening, we got Jose Aldo Jr., the former featherweight champion in the UFC and the WEC's 28-7, and and Marlon Chito Vera's 18-6. and Currently, they got Jose Aldo minus 150, the comeback on Marlon Vera's plus 130. Shaq, if I would have told you a couple of years ago that Jose and Marlon would be close to you know an even fight, you would have laughed in my face, just like you would have laughed in my face if I would have said that Paul Craig would not only be favored over Shogun, but would beat Shogun, or maybe even a couple of years back, uh, you know, Jamal Hill and OSP or Charles DuBronx and Ferguson. But as you know, this is almost 2021, the sports evolving. Is Marlon Vera catching Jose Aldo at the right time? I mean, look, this is a, it's one of, man, Jose Aldo is one of these guys where I'm down on him, man. And I've been down on him from the start of this 135 pound thing. Guys, and it's another thing. I remember sometimes you got to, you know, hear what you're actually saying. You know, you remember when uh, Philip Haas fought Robert Whitaker's teammate? And, you know, like, you know, they were like, he got up from a takedown or, you know, <laughs> he, 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 he landed a punch. This is what people are saying about Jose Aldo's career at 135 pounds. Jose Aldo looks good. Jose Aldo looks good at 135 pounds. When has Jose Aldo ever looked bad? Like, what the, what the fuck? Are, like, when has Jose Aldo ever looked bad in a fight, man? Like, he's never looked bad in a fight as far as I'm concerned. Like, like he comes to fight every single time. It's either... You know, it's just this age is catching up to him. The amount of damage is catching up to him. And after that last one with my boy No Mercy, the champ, you know, you know, people were saying No Mercy wasn't this and that. And I mean, I couldn't believe it, man. But, you know, I feel like Jose, like he, if he's, you know, looking so good at 135 and he couldn't even break the 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 gassing, slow, slow down, quitting Marlon Marais. I mean, Marlon Marais was making faces in that fight, bro. Like, Marlon Marais was literally – you remember when Mark Henry was uh, telling Marlon in the corner between the and the Henry fight, he was like, Marlon, your, your mom worked two jobs. So you can – you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, one of those talks, uh, you know, where they get desperate because they know their dude's done. But, like, Jose couldn't even capitalize on that, bro, and it's alarming to me because I'm like, if he's so – if he's so this – you know, top guy, 135, how come he couldn't do it? And then you follow that up with a fight. Uh, what's the ref's name uh, from England? Um, Goddard. No, not him. The other one from England. Leon uh, Roberts. Leon Roberts. Leon Roberts. Fucking that dude fucked up so bad in that Peter Yan fight, bro. Live, I was screaming at the TV, stop the fight. Stop the fight. Stop the fight. Like, he's take. it was worse than Holloway, in my opinion, like, he took so many unanswered shots that I'm worried about him moving forward. And I know he's, yeah, he's better than Vera on paper and on, if you watch film and all that good stuff, man, of course, you're, it'll be like, yeah, Vera's not beating this guy. How? But it's one of those things where like it, things are going such against them and so in favor of Vera. It's like, I gotta be on Vera in this one, man. It's like, he's, you know, it, it's like a redo of the Song Yadong fight, in my opinion. You know, a, a big right-handed heavy hitter, you know, that fades in the late rounds. And, and I feel like Marlon Vera could have won that fight against Song had he got started maybe a minute sooner. And and that's the big deal with Marlon because a lot of these these wins are going to have to be, you know, coming from a, a round behind. He loses the first round in a lot of his fights except the last one. But, you know, I feel like people aren't giving him enough credit saying, oh, well, Sean got hurt. I mean, look. Sean, he got hurt due to finding Marlon Vera. Marlon Flair, you know, he kicks super hard, man. I mean, that's what I took from it. So, 
you know, I'm on Marlon Vera in this fight, man. I just feel like he's got so much momentum going for him, and Jose has so much momentum going against him. I just don't know how much Marlon Vera would be one of the last people I'd want to fight coming off a a, a fight like that. What I just came off uh, with Peter Yan because I really don't have much to gain from it. And you know, this kid Marlon ain't gonna stop, man. Like you're gonna have to kill this kid on Saturday night. But hey, I get it. You know, you're seeing minus 130, 140 on Aldo versus Vera. I mean, I'm, I'm sure some people are like, are you kidding me? Like, you know, I, I, and, I and I get it. But, you know, I, I've heard that take so many times when he fought Volkanovski and, and you know, uh, you know, all these other guys. Man, not saying Marlon Vera is a Volkanovski or a Peter Yen because he's not. But, you know, I just feel like after that last one, I really feel like that's going to be the one to put the nail in the coffin on Jose or at least uh, – I think he needs to go back up to 45s as well. I, I think he's cutting too much weight at uh, 35s, and I don't think he's – like the Peter Yan fight, everyone's saying he looks so good, but, like, bro, yeah, he won – what was it, the third round, I believe he won? Second round, like second round. Second round, second round, and where he was taking it to Peter a little bit. But, guys, it's five rounds in a fight. I I, I, true, I truthfully believe not, – not that Peter was letting him do that, but, like – Bro, you've seen Peter take – Peter can take it, bro. Like, Peter was doing that all just for the slow cook, man, all for that fourth, fifth round where he knew he was going to get him out of there and he was going to be completely gassed. So, uh, look, yeah, Vera's an easier opponent, but Vera's intense, man. His mindset's just different. I just got a vibe about this guy. I just feel like his mindset's different, man. So I'm going to go with him uh, for, for the win. I'll say by third-round stoppage. Look, timing is everything in this sport. It's all about catching someone at the right time. If they would have fought a year ago, you got to go Aldo. Two years ago, you got to go Aldo. But how many times can Aldo keep bouncing back from these brutal beatings? Uh, eventually, they're going to catch up to you, man. And as far as him winning the second round against Yan, we know Yan likes to coast until he needs to do something. Look at that Jimmy Rivera fight. He didn't do anything until the last minutes of every round. Goes out there, drops him, wins the decision. Peter Yan knows exactly how to fight. Peter Yan knows what he was doing. Peter Yan was never in bro, danger bro, at bro, any point in that bro, fight. Bro, Peter Yan was literally like just doing this, like peeking out, at, peeking out of his eyes, like, yep, mm-hmm. You know, like when you play the video game and the other dude's like burning his cardio out and you're just like, mm-hmm, keep going, keep going, <laughs> and then you come back yeah. on him. Exactly. So, listen, Vera has paid his dues in the UFC. He's had over 10 fights, and he's getting better every single fight. And when he goes up against heavy hitters, historically speaking, none of them have put him down. Lineker didn't put him down. Song Yudong didn't put him down. Uh, Sean O'Malley didn't put him down. Even Andre Uhl. One thing about Uhl, we might not you know, be high on his jiu-jitsu, but dude's definitely got hands. He didn't put him down either. So I feel like Cheeto Vera's been getting better and he's catching Aldo at the perfect time. I'm sick of seeing the legend, you know, in a pool of his own blood having to get picked up off the canvas. Like, I've had enough of that shit. Like, I'm a huge Jose Aldo fan. He's a guy we all grew up watching. He's a guy we all love. But enough is enough. He doesn't belong in this 135-pound weight class. I'm, I'm sick of seeing these brutal beat these brutal beatings, unless I got money on the other side. <laughs> but uh, I, I got to go with Vera here. Right place, right time. And uh, this is the spot going into 2021 where Vera can beat a guy like Aldo, which I never thought I'd ever hear myself say, but this is the spot, so I'm going to go with Vera. Main event of the evening in the welterweight division, we got Steven Wonderboy Thompson. He's 15-4-1, and and Jeff Hands of Steel Neal is 13-2. Currently, they got Jeff Neal, minus 120. The comeback on Steven Wonderboy is plus 100. So I picked Vicente Luque to beat Steven, and I was wrong. But going into that fight, I knew that there was a risk that, hey, like, 
Vicente gets hit too much and he kind of slows down. So I knew that going into the fight already. And he had a good first round. Then he slowed down. I mean, this is a guy that was coming off a of fight of the year with Brian Barbarena. So what that means is that they both ate over 100 significant strikes. But going into this fight, I'm not saying those same things about Jeff Neal. I don't feel like there's a risk of him slowing down or getting hit too much because he doesn't slow down or get hit too much. Um, listen, man, we're, we're seeing these guys like Tyron Woodley or Pettis or even Darren Till have success being able to put down Wonderboy. Wonderboy's getting up there. He's almost 38. I like him, but he fights with his hands down. You don't want to fight Jeff Neal with your hands down, man. I think he's too fast. I think he's too youthful. I think he comes out here close to the distance. I honestly think he knocks him out in the first round, man. Um, Not, not disrespecting Wonderboy. I mean, he, there's a guy that knocked out Whitaker. There's a guy with all his credentials. He's a fantastic fighter. He's a great gatekeeper for this division at, at his current uh, point. I mean, definitely ain't touching no gold, so he is a gatekeeper. He's not a contender. Um, I, I got to go with, with Jeff Neal here, man. I, I think he gets this one done. And as long as he's fine from that shit that went down like four months ago, which we don't know. I mean, hopefully, as long as he's not a completely different man, I think he comes in here and wins. Yeah, man. I, bro, I, I've been high on Jeff Neal from the second uh, that uh, contender series, man. Even when he was fighting Chris Camozzi, when he, all them dudes, man. Uh, not Chris Camozzi, but uh, Chris Camozzi's brother. Um, Brian Camozzi, you know, his debut. Um, but uh, yeah, man, Jeff Neal's the speed, man. And, and you know, Murano kind of described it best. He said, you know, from the outside looking in, it might not seem like anything special, but you know, it's like it's like one of those things where like you don't realize it until you're actually in there, you know. <laughs> it's like holy shit, he actually is really fast, you know what I'm saying? Um, and I feel like his punches are super accurate. And like you said, I feel like Wonderboy is getting too much credit for that uh fight with Luke, man. I, I look, I know Vicente throws with you know, some of the most violent intentions in that division. I mean, some of the most vicious knockouts, submissions, all that good stuff. But, I mean, one knock on him has always been his cardio. And he is, you know, somewhat a little bit chinny. I mean, he that like you said, the Brian Barberina fight, he slowed down. And I remember, I know you remember that Mike Gray's fight back in the day as well. Or the, uh, the Leon Edwards fight, you know, in England as well, where he gassed out. So I really wasn't, I was actually about, I, I was thinking for Sensei going into that, but then when I watched the Barb, I was like, oh, Wonderboy probably is going to win. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but yeah, man, I feel like Wonderboy still got rocked in that fight, fought with his hands down, but I just don't think Vicente had the footwork, you know, to chase him, uh, to cut off the ring and or the cardio. And I feel like Jeff Neal's got the footwork and he just makes better, you know, sharper reads than Vicente, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, the only concern is this health shit that he's been been having. You know, I, I don't know the, the severity of it. I mean, it doesn't sound good for sure, but, you know, uh, who knows, man? Who knows? But I just know that I'm not as like I don't I'm. I'm I know Jeff's the the slight favorite, but you know it, it seems like more people are on Wonder Boy just from you know from what I'm seeing. But you know it's like he, he this dude literally lost a, a decision to Till, and I know some people are like, oh, he didn't lose that fight, but I mean he got dropped. Only he one got guy got dropped. dropped. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, and yeah, he look, he do he looked good in that fight, but you know, like just he he held. But what about the time he got? knocked out unconscious against Anthony Showtime Pettis as a minus 400-something favorite. I mean, <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying, man? I, I just feel like the dude ain't trending as upwards as people think, man, just off that one win. Like, um, I got Jeff Neal as well, man. One thing you can say about Jeff Neal, yeah, he hasn't really 
you know, Bilal's like the best guy he's fought probably. And Bilal, um, is he, he's like, what, 15? He's got to be Frank, right? 15, 13, 13. Yeah, he's got to be ranked. So, fucking, uh, you know, that's that I get that's his best win, but I mean, he fucking whooped Bilal's ass for 15 minutes, man. And that's got to be, you know, respected on some level. And I know, well, Steven would whoop Bilal's ass. And, and look, yeah, you're probably right. But, you know, now that you got Steven and Jeff Neal in there, man, I really feel like Jeff's got that footwork to track him down and touch his chin. And like you said, you don't want to fight Jeff Neal with your hands down. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, I feel you. So normally we do the fight to watch and fighter to watch, but I'm running out of studio time. So we want to thank all our fans so much for sticking with us. And maybe we'll do this live thing more often. This was a lot of fun. Um, this is a great card, so I hope everybody enjoys it. Make sure y'all follow Shaq at MMA Genius 05. Follow me at Best Fight Picks. Hit up our sponsor, uh, Manscaped at manscaped.com. Use that promo code BATTLE20 for 20% off and free shipping. Uh, we'll be back before the year is over to recap the year and you know talk about our favorite knockout, our fighter of the year, submission of the year, all that stuff, fight of the year, just like we do every single year. So we'll, we'll be back before the year is over. And we'll also do like a long fan Q&A. So we'll sit down, answer all your questions, and, and do that whole thing. So thank you guys so, so much for your support. Make sure you all subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, all the places where we are available. We truly, truly appreciate your support. Um, if you want to get our plays, go to bestfightpicks.com. Also, you can check me out on Line Movement, do some other like written content and video work over there. So check them out too. Thank you guys so much for the support. We'll be back next time. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.